0: Is the Investment Intelligence Podcast by Allianz Global Investors, sharing knowledge about all things investing.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm your host, JP Vicente, and you're listening to the Investment Intelligence Podcast. My guest today is Andreas Frischke. They head of thematic equity at Allianz Global Investors, and today we're talking about investing in water. If you're like me and are interested in sustainability and sustainable investing, I'm confident you're going to find this conversation enlightening, provocative, and in many ways, hopeful. Yes, hopeful. And I don't use that word lightly, because for as many issues as we have with water scarcity in the world today, there seems to be as many efforts and companies working hard to solve them. But before we get started, I have some news, actually an invitation for all of our podcast listeners. We're hosting our first Sustainability Day event on May 12. This will be a virtual gathering featuring global experts from Allianz Global Investors and Allianz Life, including my guest today, And our keynote speaker will be Doug Rauch, the former president of Trader Joe's, a brand that I believe many, if not all of our listeners have had experience with and have come to admire. Doug will talk about his hands-on experience in managing sustainable businesses and also his super interesting work with ConsciousCapitalism.org. You don't want to miss this. We'll put a link to the registration website on our show notes, or you can go straight to us.alliancegi.com sustainabilityday sustainability day to register for the conference. Once again, that's us.alliancegi.com slash sustainability day. I look forward to seeing you there. And now, without any further ado, let's get right to our show. Hi, Andreas. Thank you for being here with us today. Before we get started, please tell us who you are and what you do here at Allianz Global Investors.
2: Hi, JP. My name is Andreas Froschke. I'm the head of thematic equity at Allianz Global Investors. Actually, I started out uh, studying law and then investment management. But since then, I've been working for 15 years researching investment themes such as water scarcity.
1: That is really quite interesting. So you've made a big move there from, <laughs> from the law to, to investing in water. Thank you so much for that. And, and welcome to the podcast, Andreas. I've been looking forward to having you on the show because I think that many folks are, like, like I am, very curious about the topic we're going to cover today. And, and that is investing in water. And the topic to me is super interesting in a variety of ways, right? There's a sustainability element to it. There's a financial element to it, there's a thematic investment element to it, and uh, there's an impact investment, you know, element to it. So all of this coalescing around this precious resource that to this day, you know, many folks still seem to take for granted. And I was doing a little research to prepare for this episode, and I found statistics that are truly interesting when we start thinking about water. So for example, water consumption has increased by more than 150% in the past five decades, you know, with a lion's share of that consumption or about 70%, go into agriculture. The remaining 30% go into industrial, you know, industrial use at like around 22 percent and domestic consumption at around 8%. But in the meantime, climate change, which is causing obviously changes in weather patterns is exacerbating the issue by making water supply much more irregular. So we have this increase in demand and uh, the supply becomes more irregular now that we have more droughts and increased levels of salinity due to rising sea levels. So all of this makes resource management all the more challenging. But the good news, it seems, is that we also have many companies actively looking for solutions to address you know, water scarcity and quality issues, and of course, trying to do so in a, in a sustainable way. So I want to explore all of these points with you today, but to get us started, let's just level set and describe and dimension the problem with water today for our listeners, Andreas. So what, what's going on?
2: Well, you said it right, JP. There's a lot of angles and a lot of associations people immediately have in their heads when they hear water, water scarcity, investments in water. Um, and and by and large, I think what is interesting uh, in this is foremost the predictability of us running into a supply-demand gap. I think this is where water investing or the water theme as such is different from many other investment themes um, because it's, it is something that... Whilst it's a resource, it's not like oil or metals or a soft commodity that that you can trade easily or that could be replaced or substituted uh, with, with another thing. Uh, water is essential for so many aspects of life, for industry, for farming, and there isn't anything better, and it's unlikely that we'll invent something better. So water as a resource is not going to be displaced by something that might be able to innovate and it can't travel long distances. So whilst some countries might have more than they need, that doesn't doesn't mean it's solving someone else's problem elsewhere in a country that has less water than what they need because it perishes quickly and transporting it by a pipeline is, is tremendously costly. This is why water is always a very local phenomenon or water scarcity is something that requires solutions where it's happening and this is what's making it interesting Um, the predictability of it not solving itself comes from the fact that the three big players who use water use ever more of it every day every year they're using a little bit more The biggest one being farmers or farming in general is becoming more water intensive because we need more food, we're more people. We eat stuff that tends to need more water to grow. So farming becomes more water intensive. The second big driver is industry, uh, power production, Uh, electricity uses, for example, a lot of water uh, in, in the electricity generation and as countries electrify, as they industrialize, they become more and more reliant on water resources uh, to to finance that or to fund that growth uh, of the industrialization. And then thirdly, JP, it's people like you and me uh, who who need water for uh, Mm -hmm. daily consumption, um, who live in cities, cities that typically are located or growing in areas that are arid. Uh, No one is moving into the rainforest. You know, cities always are at places where Mm -hmm. There's a lot of sunshine typically on the coasts, i.e. in areas where there may not be local reserves of water or plenty of rainfall to sustain the growth of cities um, that, that people move to. And you take all three of them combined, you end up with quite a powerful driver of demand for water, demand for fresh potable water increasing every year versus a static supply of water that is being provided by nature every year. And for as long as you don't take out more than what gets replenished, all is well. But in those areas where you are taking out more out of what gets naturally replenished every year, you have to look into options on you know how to how to bridge that supply-demand grab you are otherwise running running into.
1: That's really fascinating. Talk to me about climate change. How is it exacerbating water scarcity?
2: So the supply side is is basically rainfall, uh, could be snowfall. Mm All right, let's let's leave it that. Um, And it doesn't rain more today than it did a hundred years ago. So the amount of fresh water that is being provided to us is as much as it it was a hundred years ago. And it won't be more in a hundred years. What is changing is the demand situation, but the supply situation is stable. Uh, Or let's say it's static. now, the cheapest way to get access to water is to just access the surface water, you know, the, the rivers, the lakes, the runoff water. It's more expensive to tap into groundwater uh, because you know then you have to pump it up and it's heavy. So you need electricity for motors or pumps to bring water to the surface. And the most expensive one is to create water out of seawater, which is salty. So you have to remove the salt in order to make it potable drinkable for either agricultural usages or uh, or city usage and that requires even more electricity and energy which is why it's a factor of 10 times as expensive but the supply situation is one that is static and we have sort of adapted ourselves via infrastructure storages um, to uh, what nature is providing us every year the problem with climate change now is not that it's causing less rainfall, but maybe less predictable rainfall, maybe it's shifting where historically you have had rainfall in a certain period to another region where you haven't installed infrastructure and storage capabilities yet. And that is why climate change creates, let's say, another factor in the unpredictability of the supply situation and is certainly not helpful.
1: So, at a fundamental level here, then Andreas, uh, how does this scarcity create an investment opportunity for for investors and, and for companies and entrepreneurs trying to, you know, create solutions for these problems?
2: Well, the first thing to to remember is that it's it's different to most other resources that have a price. Uh, that you can invest in. You mm-hmm. can invest in oil, you can invest in gold, you can invest in soft commodities. Now water doesn't have a price because it's not a tradable good. And quite frankly, most of the time it comes for free in the form of rainfall. What you do pay mm-hmm. for in the end is the service of delivery because someone has to capture that, has to bring it to your home, and then has to bring it back, discharge it, and treat it ideally before that. Um, So there's a whole, let's say, service chain behind the supply of water for a 24-7 business. Uh, And that's what typically constitutes the price. So you can't invest in it like a regular commodity. But what you can invest in is in companies that provide solutions against or to alleviate at least water scarcity from becoming an even bigger problem than it already is and there's three big buckets of solutions that exist. Water scarcity is a solvable problem if you invest in one of the following three things. You uh, increase your access to water, i.e. you invest in companies that enable you to tap into water reserves um, that are remote or maybe Uh, into storage capacity. The second big bucket of solutions is water efficiency. If you can't increase your water supply, then maybe you can become a little bit more efficient in your usage, fix the leakages, Mm -hmm. invest in equipment that still allow you to do what you want to do, but with less water intake. And then thirdly, you can invest in companies that ensure that the water quality is preserved or enhanced uh, because in most cases, you know, the existing reserves are being used as waste dumps. Uh, most of the water is being flushed um, down the toilet, or or you know, being used to uh, to treat or clean things. Um, so, turning non-potable water into potable water, i.e., making it up to a quality where it becomes usable, is the third big bucket of solutions and there's companies who offer them and you can then
1: align your investment portfolio around these three buckets can you mention the opportunity set within the water theme like is is there are there enough companies out there to to have a diversified portfolio in water
2: Well, that's certainly a very fair question, because if you are limiting yourself to companies that have solutions to do something about water scarcity, then obviously there is a number of companies you will never invest in because they simply don't. And that means you're left with a a subset of the market that is, um, let's call it 100, maybe 200 names um, of the overall investable uh, global portfolio of companies. And that's still large enough to build a diversified portfolio um, that that has a chance to perform well in any market condition. Now, the typical water company uh, that that is in one of these three buckets will either be a more, let's call it, defensive utility or maybe a more cyclical industrial company supplying equipment uh, into the water value chain. There's a little bit of healthcare-related companies so, JP, what you're left with as an investor trying to get access to the water theme or the growth of companies that, that contribute to um, you know, solutions against water scarcity is actually uh, diverse enough because it's both partly cyclical, partly defensive. So, the portfolio of, of benefiting companies uh, active in the water space Actually, has a good chance to do well in most market environments.
1: Let me uh, dig a little bit further on this topic, Andreas, because you mentioned uh, to me earlier um, that you know you can't buy water or price water the same way that you would do oil or gold or et cetera. But I wanted to pick your brain, especially now that we're discussing diversity in a portfolio and available options for investors, it's my understanding that the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, for example, has recently launched a water futures strategy. Is this something that you see as a viable opportunity for investors to broaden their available options?
2: honestly i don't because it's it's helpful if you are a farmer in this specific case a farmer in california who's worried about running into into a drought where you know there's not enough water for everyone or to sustain your plants uh, to to grow the crops you wanted and you end up with a huge loss now for those people it makes sense to hedge against that scenario with you know, something that is liquid like the water future now being offered. But for most investors, I would uh, I would be a little bit more skeptical because what you want is not time markets on, um, you know, how scarce is water going to be in this planting season versus the next. What you want is to get access to companies that offer long-term solutions to the problem. Creating a future on the price of water in a very specific region is not helping anything or anyone to do something about the underlying problem.
1: I've seen some skeptics say that they, um, they think that investing in water is, is tantamount to seeking, let's say, quote unquote, profit or to profit from the fact that water is an actual scarce resource. Um, so what's your take on this?
2: I think it's a fair point of, of criticism and I absolutely understand that people initially have this reaction. People sometimes have this this James Bond villain image in their head when they're here investing in water in the sense that someone is buying up water reserves and, and keeping that from someone else and then selling it at a higher price. Um obviously, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, when, Mm -hmm. when investing in water, what you're doing is essentially finding companies that have solutions that you need, that everyone needs to make sure that this scenario never happens. Finding products, equipment, filters, services, pumps, you name it, that have the ability to bring water to places where there isn't enough from places where there is too much or enabling people to become more water efficient or to make sure that water is actually staying drinkable and potable now those solutions are um you know are, are the type of contributors uh, that, that we're after as investors we're looking for the companies that actually offer those type of things because that is what this planet uh, is in need of and this is what governments people uh, uh, cities anyone is going to invest in in a scenario where water is indeed becoming more scarce for the reasons we know it will.
1: But you've been doing this now, looking and studying these companies, uh, spending time studying the, the problem of water scarcity for more than a decade now. How, how has this particular theme evolved over the years? <laughs>
2: You know what, JP, actually we could have probably had this conversation today, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and it wouldn't have I would I wouldn't have used any different examples. Even though water scarcity is a theme that has been talked about for so many years already, and we have heard so many people make pledges about fixing it, um little has actually changed. And it's you know it it only shows that a, it's not too late uh, to, to look into this theme as an investor because it, clearly there's a lot of stuff uh, that still needs to be addressed, um, i.e. the number of, of countries where you can drink water from the tap is still as small as it was 10 years ago. It's pretty much still the United States, most of Europe, Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, um, maybe Chile. And that's pretty much it. In any other country where you travel, you have to rely on bottled uh, water to brush your teeth uh, and for drinking water purposes. Um, And uh, I'm hoping that the next decade is actually going to be the one where we are accelerating maybe our collective efforts to make sure that this doesn't stay this way.
1: So so if I stay on this topic, uh, let me pick your brain a little bit about how we can solve it. What, what are the attractive opportunities in the space today and, and what's driving them?
2: So what, what's exciting is, apart from the theme in general being exciting, there's always pockets of maybe more priority in any given year than in the prior year. Right now, I think what, what looks interesting is that infrastructure is back on the agenda. Uh, politically, certainly, uh, not only in the US, and in Europe, but also in in China with the next five-year plan. We also have an interesting farming cycle currently uh, where soft commodity prices um, are going up again. That means more farm income available for farmers. Where are they going to spend it? A lot of things, obviously, but partially to become more water efficient because they need to. We have interesting investment opportunities around the monitoring and, let's say, the smartening of the whole water management system. Most of our infrastructure has become a lot smarter over the last 20 years. Uh, Water really not so much yet. It's still very much old economy, very much brick-based, people going in there and manually opening or closing uh, valves. All of that can be automated and there's a lot of excitement stuff going on to make water uh, become more smart in its delivery. So that's certainly uh, the more, let's say, tactical pockets of, of interest uh, that investors might uh, might consider.
1: If you were to pinpoint like the biggest problem today with water in the world, what would that be? I think
2: the biggest problem of water in the world is for those who don't have access to it and who are spending uh, a lot of time every day on something as simple as getting access to drinking water. Now that's Mm -hmm. millions of hours being lost uh, that could be used for education, Mm -hmm. that could be used for productivity, that can be used for all sorts of things. But that's what's holding a lot of companies back and a lot of people who would like to reach the middle class. There's about two billion people. That's you know that's almost one in one in four um, of of people who live that way still, and that's an astronomical and shocking number. Um, and it it's even more disappointing because it it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, water is a solved problem. We know exactly what needs to be done. We knew we know exactly what type of investments have to be funded to make sure everyone has access to clean and, and, and potable drinking water. It takes time and it takes funding, um, and I think this is where the private market can come in and, and make these funds available to accelerate the build-out that the United States or Europe have started about 18 1870, 1880, um, to make sure that everyone eventually reaches that point because they will once this is solved.
1: So, when you're thinking about water in the context of a portfolio in general, how do you think? Uh, how should investors really think about their water portfolio in the context of a wider equity allocation? Should they create a, an impact sleeve, or how how does that portion of the portfolio jibe with the rest of the equity, you know, allocation?
2: Well, by and large, I would say water is something that is growing structurally, or let's say the investments in water infrastructure are growing structurally above average because there's more uh, demand for water, meeting a static supply. So as the world grows, as industrialization grows, as farming becomes more intensive, the need for water investments are more than just average eh? because that is what you would expect for for anything that really is running into a supply-demand gap. That means companies who have uh, solutions to do something about that and who are highly exposed to that area of growth should you know, all things being equal experience above average growth. So the transparency of the growth story as such means companies who have something to offer that we need um, are not going to go out of business. They will not become stranded assets. They will not be competed or disrupted away by other companies uh, inventing something even better. And as these companies become more relevant, they obviously uh, should become more valuable uh, over time because um, you know, they're, they're, they're not at risk of being displaced or running out of ideas. I would encourage everyone to uh, you work know, to, to Use, especially these days, um, to review their own conviction about how is this planet going to look like the next 10 and 20 years, what's certain, what isn't. And then review their own investment portfolios to see how much is in there that is actually aiming at something long term and maybe something more tactical, more shorter term and find the right balance. But it's it's going to be a case by case uh, situation
1: interesting now that's definitely uh, something to to consider especially for for those who are uh, thinking more and more about uh, moving their portfolios towards a more sustainable type of or increasing the the sustainability profile of their portfolios if I should say and and i think that that's particularly you know interesting when you're looking at the profile as some investors, uh, especially those that are considered part of the millennial generation, I guess. the A lot of them in particular are looking at their actions, their investment actions, that is, as a way to also make some sort of um, Statements, so to speak, uh, uh, or to express their convictions, right? Their either political convictions or their views, etc. So the water uh, theme seems to be, you know, quite apropos uh, for folks to consider when they're thinking when they're thinking in those terms, don't you think?
2: I couldn't agree more. And this might be an oversimplification, but you can look at generational changes of attitudes towards sustainability or impact investing. Um, I could be wrong on this, but but I suspect most baby boomers said, I have my political beliefs and my views of values, uh, but they don't extend to my investment portfolio. You know, They would typically say, mm-hmm. my investment portfolio is not a political statement. So I think Gen X was different in that they said, if I'm publicly in favor of something, I shouldn't contradict in my investment portfolio what I'm privately preaching. So I'm I'm not going to be a hypocrite by calling out certain companies for their actions and then invest in them because they're you know, maybe paying me a good dividend yield. So I want to at least align my views with my investment decisions versus the millennials. I think they're indeed taking it one step further and say it's not enough to just you know, eradicate anything that is bad from my private portfolio. I want to have more than that. I want, I want to actually have the feeling that my investments help change something, contribute to something. I want my investment portfolio to be aligned with companies that contribute towards improving uh, my life or maybe everyone's life a little bit. And that is indeed a question I get more and more these days. How and what are you doing uh, to, to make sure that my money is being invested with companies that actually contribute towards making a difference? And this is what you can do with the water theme, um, by making sure that investing only in companies that have solutions that don't profit of the fact that water is becoming more scarce. but do something about that by offering solutions. And and guess what, JP? These solutions are products in either uh, making more water available, i.e. enhance water supply, uh, improve Mm -hmm. water efficiency, or ensure water quality. So these are exactly the type of products, uh, and and, uh, thereby companies, that we would be also interested in from a financial growth perspective. So you're actually getting the best of two worlds, a portfolio that is interesting, um, potentially for people who say, I like the growth idea and also interesting mm-hmm. for people who say, I like the idea that my money is actually invested in companies that change the world towards the better rather than just benefiting from a, um, you know, a, a situation that, um, you know, that creates the supply demand imbalance
1: that begs a new question, I guess, which is selectivity, you know? So when you are, you know, one thing is, is, is wanting to, 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 to create impact, but the other one is to making sure that your decision is really creating impact. So I guess what I'm getting to is, uh, how important is selectivity and, uh, when you're investing in water and how can investors avoid the so-called quote unquote greenwashing?
2: I like to think that we do have an impact as shareholders in companies who we then encourage to stay coarse, who we can protect uh, on their their course of action to provide more of these solutions. Um, We can lower their cost of capital um, as shareholders by standing ready uh, when they make capital increases. Um, And we can provide advice, we can engage with them, we can become stewards uh, and partners as active shareholders um, in these companies that offer solutions that we'd like to see more of. The one thing we don't have, certainly, is we don't have any impact about companies that we're not engaging with and we're not shareholders of. But where we are, we can and we do engage in these conversations, and that's where we can make a difference
1: Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Let's talk a little bit about risks because investing is, you know, about risk as well. So where do you see the biggest risks for this particular theme today?
2: So the the risk um, for the water theme as such, I think, is comparatively low, especially when when seen in relation to other themes that typically rely more on, you know, a certain disruptive technology actually taking market share. But then you always have the risk that Maybe someone is inventing something even better than, than you thought uh, at the time of the investment. Now, that's something that is unlikely going to happen for water-related uh, companies. If there is any risk at all, then it's, you know as usual, very company-specific. It's going to be not with a theme as such, but maybe with a particular company experiencing a very particular idiosyncratic uh, scenario, uh, which is why... You know, first rule of investment is don't put all X in one basket, diversify, make sure that you're not investing just in one stock or one company or in one region or one sector alone, but sprinkle your conviction across as many different companies and different sizes and, and with different products as you can.
1: That makes makes a lot of sense. Let me let me uh, pick your brain a little bit about policy. I know that you mentioned it a little bit earlier on the show, but I want to go a little bit deeper on this uh, proposed massive, you know, uh, two to three trillion dollar package. Uh, that uh, the Biden administration is preparing, you know, to invest in infrastructure here in the United States. I would just assume that it would be a a, a boon for uh, the water industry. So can you talk to me a little bit about that and uh, what happens if the package doesn't come to pass?
2: So, uh, J.P., I understand that this is... Uh, this is important for, for many you know, listeners probably to, to focus now on the on the Biden infra package. But let's put this a little bit into, into the perspective. Currently, I think the United States is replacing such a tiny fraction of water infrastructure every year that unless spending is increased, it will take another 100 years to replace the existing infrastructure and do a full circle, even though no pipe, no pump lasts that long. So we all knew that Mm -hmm. the current spending, let's say, speed uh, of of the United States regarding their water infrastructure was completely and utterly unsustainable. And whether it's the Biden administration or any other administration, it would have to do something about that. Um, And this is where I take great comfort in knowing that the, the age profile of the water infrastructure specifically in the United States is dictating um, physically, uh, you know, by, by laws of physics, that investments are going to have to go up uh, for the next 10 years, regardless of who's making the case politically for it.
1: That's great, Andreas. The thing, this has been a terrific conversation and this very, very important topic. And uh, thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts and, and your expertise with us. But uh, before I let you go, I'd like to get your cultural recommendation. It's a tradition that we have here on the podcast. So what is it that you have been doing when you're not thinking about water solutions these days? <laughs>
2: Well, I think the lockdown over the last 12 months has certainly disrupted my usual, uh, my usual recreational uh, spending time, as I'm sure it has for everyone. But I'm, I'm going to be honest, JP, I can't wait to get um, to, to go for a swim again once things open.
1: Nice, nice. I have a recommendation as well and uh, my recommendation is actually a movie today a movie called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and uh, it's just out you know in one of the main streaming services and I watched it and I really really enjoyed it the movie is a fictional account based on a play of the same name that was written by August Wilson but of course, Ma Rainey is not a fictional character at all. I mean, she, she was born, I believe, in 1886. And uh, by the late 1920s, she was known here in the U.S. as the mother of the blues. And uh, Viola Davis, you know, really plays Ma Rainey in the movie. And it's a wonderful performance. And then you have Chadwick Boseman's performance. And man, I'm telling you what a performance that was. I had a lot of fun watching it, and I think that our listeners will too, especially if you like jazz and if you like blues. But uh, before I let you all go, I'd also like to reiterate that Andreas will be a speaker at uh, Allianz Global Investors' upcoming Sustainability Day event that's happening on May the 12th. So, this will be an interactive virtual event that's open for you, our listeners, to join in as well. We'll put a link to the registration website on our show notes, or you can go straight to us. Alliance GI, just one word, AllianceGI.com slash sustainability day, one word as well. So one more time. Us.alliancegi.com slash sustainability day to register for the conference. So make sure to join us on May the twelfth. And with that, I'd like to thank you, Andreas, once again for spending time with us today. And as always, thank you all so very much for listening. Stay safe, everybody.
2: Thank you, J.P. It's been a pleasure. Wishing everyone a great day. Stay safe. Goodbye.
1: Thank you very much for listening. A quick reminder that you can subscribe to the Investment Intelligence Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on your preferred podcast platform. It really makes a difference. Once again, thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded on April 1st, 2021.
0: Investing involves risk. The value of an investment and the income from it will fluctuate and investors may not get back the principle invested. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. This is a marketing communication. It is for informational purposes only. The information contained in this recording does not constitute investment advice or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any security and shall not be deemed an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. The views and opinions expressed herein, which are subject to change without notice, are those of the issuer or its affiliated companies at the time of publication. Certain data referenced are derived from various sources believed to be reliable, but the accuracy or completeness of the data is not guaranteed and no liability is assumed for any direct or consequential losses arising from their use. The duplication, publication, extraction, or transmission of the contents, irrespective of the form, is not permitted. This recording has not been reviewed by any regulatory authorities. In mainland China, it is used only as supporting material to the offshore investment products offered by commercial banks under the Qualified Domestic Institutional Investor Scheme pursuant to applicable rules and regulations. This recording is being distributed by Allianz Global Investors and its affiliates. For a complete list of affiliated entities, please visit AllianzGI.com.